0: Right. Okay. Uh, Hello. Hi. How's it going, guys? Sorry we were MIA last week. Yeah, we kind of just do that to you, but here we are. We came back. We're here and we've got a fun two-parter this time. We've done so many like kind of random, like obscure killings. We decided we were gonna do a biggie. Yes. Not biggie smalls. That's on my list, guys, <laughs> someday. But today we are doing the case of... You going to tell him or you you were going to. Uh, oh. right, very anticlimactic. <laughs> <laughs> Scott Peterson. We're talking about the murder of Lacey Peterson and Scott's wife. So this case is like super super high profile if you haven't heard of this case you're living under a rock yeah like it i mean most of our listeners you probably remember it when it happened if not you've probably seen a documentary or six on it i mean it's like the annie series the annie series is by far the best I would have to agree with you. That I one put is a lot of work into that. Yeah, if you're gonna watch one, watch that one. It's like a five five part or four part something like that. But yeah. that one is super good. So let me we tell you. Our, oh, sorry, we're talking over each other. Let me tell you. Like I thought I knew a lot about this case too, and honestly, like I was researching up to the last minute, and I'm like adding notes and adding things, and I still am. My head is spinning from it. So. Yeah, there's a lot of things that like I really wasn't aware about in this case. Um, so interestingly enough, like we're probably not going to get. I mean, we're going to give you a good overview of the case, but if you know, if you know the gist of the details. Like we're not going to go super deep into all of it because we don't want to bore you with a lot of that stuff. There's some really interesting stuff about there that's like not super well known stuff that. I think that's kind of more exciting. Mm -hmm. So do we want to start out with like the disappearance? Do we want to talk about Scott? People know we may as well just talk about Scott. So Scott Peterson is a San Diego native, um, was about 32 years old at the time that his wife Lacey disappeared. We're going to talk all about Lacey and the disappearance and all that later, but just giving you guys a little bit of a background on Scott Um, He was a California native. He had lived in San Diego most of his life. His dad owned a big packaging company. His mom owned a clothing boutique. So he was the only child of his parents, um, his mom and dad together. But he did have half siblings on each side. So fun fact about Scott Peterson that I actually did not know until today. And I'm a pretty big golf fan. Um, Scott was a big time golfer. And actually, went to high school with Phil Mickelson. If you know anything about golf, oh, um, they yeah. actually ended up going to college too together. And then Phil kind of took off, and um, Scott kind of got left in the dust a little bit. Obviously, Phil is one of—I mean—has been a very successful PGA player for a long time. Um, but so there was always a big competition between phil mickelson and scott and then he actually um scott got kicked off the golf team because there was another golfer named chris couch um that he took him out drinking and partying and met all these girls and chris's dad got mad and complained to the coach so scott got kicked off the golf team uh, he still played golf at a couple other smaller schools um at cal, cal poly if you're familiar with that school um, he majored in agricultural business and they all his teachers said he was like a fantastic student and actually one of his professors was quoted as saying i wouldn't mind having a class full of scott peterson's okay. so while he was at cal poly he worked at a restaurant and uh one of his co-workers was friends with a girl named Lacey roca Uh, She also attended Cal Poly, and she was an ornamental horticulture major, which, like, pretty landscaping, basically. So they—when they met, actually, Lacey was the one that made the move on Scott and gave him her phone number. And their very, very first date, she told her mom that she was going to marry him. Well, they went out for quite a few years. They ended up getting married in 1997— um scott kind of gave up his dreams of being a professional golfer when he met lacy and kind of changed his mind into focusing on the business world and they actually had a sports bar at one time called the shack but it was basically a flop and i mean it, they, they, I did well, they did well okay yeah, yeah they were it, able to sell it and get money yeah, they were able yeah so they wanted to move basically back to Modesto, which is where Lacey was from, and wanted to start a family. So they bought a cute little house in a nice neighborhood. Um, Lacey was working part-time as a substitute teacher, and then Scott was working with a fertilizer company selling fertilizer. So he bas- he um, was working hard, was making decent money. Uh, they were really close with Lacey's family. She loved being a housewife. She loved cooking. She loved entertaining. And in 2002, they found out that Lacey was pregnant. So yay, super exciting news. Um, so this is going to kind of lead us up to 2002, day before Christmas, Lacey and Scott um, went to a hair salon who where uh, Lacey's sister Amy worked. And they both got their hair cut. Um, Scott offered to pick up a fruit basket for their dad for the coming holiday the, the next day um, because he was going to be playing at a golf course nearby. He told a lot of people, actually, that's kind of interesting, that he was going to be playing golf on Christmas Eve. And Lacey spoke with her mom on the phone at about 830 that night. Um, so that brings us to Christmas Eve. i um, So it started out as a pretty normal day. Um, Lacey woke up first and she ate breakfast. Um, Scott and her watched together. They watched Martha Stewart. So they both kind of decided to do their own thing for the day um, before they got back together to do Christmas Eve with their family. He was going to go golfing, but it was a little chilly. um, And he decided to go fishing instead to take his new boat out on water. Um, She was just going to do some things around the house she was gonna mop the floor um she was gonna take the dog for a walk and that's where they kind of parted ways i was you were saying that they were having breakfast or lacy got up first they had breakfast or she had breakfast scott woke up she had breakfast again which i said if you've ever been a pregnant lady you can feel (laughs) that that you're having (laughs) your second breakfast of the day heck yeah um, so when they're both kind of out out and about doing their own thing, um, Scott actually called Lacey, left her a message, um, couldn't get a hold of her. He came home and found that Lacey was not there. Um, their dog Mackenzie was in their yard, but it had the... She had her leash hooked up to her still, which he thought was, like, kind of weird, but not, like, red flags, whatever. Um, he kind of assumed that she had just went to her mom's, um, so he called her looking for her and, you know, kind of called around when she wasn't there, and they were starting to be a little worried, you know, and just started calling friends and things like that, um, And eventually, when they couldn't find her, her stepdad actually called 911 um, to report her missing. This was about a half an hour after this whole debacle started. So, they called police. Police came out, uh, talked to Scott and the family. Um, He told the police that the last time he saw Lacey was at about 9.30 on Christmas Eve when he left to go fishing at the Berkeley Marina. Uh, she was watching a show was gonna mop as amber said not too much excitement so she was approximately at this time about seven and a half months pregnant with their baby boy um his name was going to be connor this is a huge part of the case too is baby connor because i i like remember this and i would have only been 14 years old i remember like looking for Lacey and baby Connor. I so distinctly remember that. So it's kind of crazy. So she was reported missing on Christmas Eve. And this story like freaking blew up. So yes. when the cops showed up at their house, they, her car was there. Her keys were there, her wallet, her sunglasses, her purse, like the fam, the table was set for the family dinner that they were going to have. Um Interesting. A detective found a phone book open on the counter that was open to an ad for a defense attorney. Maybe has nothing to do with it. That's, I saw, okay, it's funny that you mentioned that. I didn't put it down, but I remember hearing that. And I'm thinking, how many other pages, or how many other listings are on the same page? No, it was a full page ad. was it? Oh, interesting. So whether, you know, you're just flipping through and then. And it just happens. Yeah. Exactly so scott was like super super calm in all this while the police are searching the house questioning scott uh, he had left lacy the phone the phone message at about 2 15 p.m she obviously never got the message uh one of the lead detectives that was on the case said that he says his quote was i suspected scott when i first met him didn't mean he did it but i was a little thrown off by his calm cool demeanor and his lack of questioning he wasn't will you call me can i have one of your cards what are you guys doing now end quote he was just very like calm cool and collected which mm-hmm. that's one thing that i know you and i've discussed and we both agree on scott is a total scumbag whether he killed oh, lacy or not total freaking scumbag which will we'll get into that yeah <laughs> So the police in Modesto never really, or initially didn't reveal that Scott was a suspect. Um, The family and Lacey's friends were really like, we believe in Scott. Scott loved Lacey. They were having a baby. They were happy together. But literally as they were going on and going on and going on, things just kind of just stack up against Scott. So by January 17th, Lacey had been missing for three and a half weeks they found out that Scott had had two affairs and then <laughs> this is the goodie. Um, they heard about Amber Fry. Well, mm-hmm. so, there's been two other affairs other than just Amber Fry. So Amber Fry, for those of you that have no clue anything about this case, uh, she had just, she approached the police because she had just started to date Scott Peterson And she kind of realized that he was through all that, like, like we said, this case got huge national attention, right? So it was all talked about on the news and she thought it was so weird because she's dating a guy and he's actually married to a missing woman. Well, it gets more interesting, but around that time, within about a week or so, Lacey's family withdrew their support from Scott. So they were like, yeah, no, um, we learned that he had cheated on her numerous times. We've seen pictures of them together. Um, they or knew that he had had an affair a year before. It it just... And then the most interesting part was that on December 9th, 2002, 14 days before Lacey ever went missing, before any of this thing Scott told Amber Fry that he had quote lost his wife and he was going to be spending his first Christmas without her. So this this is the first thing that the cops are like, okay. (laughs) Yeah. So Amber, um, end of December, Amber actually called the police and started working with them because she was like, okay, like I had no idea about this. I, you know, she was gonna do the right thing. They, she agreed to. Have her phone calls recorded And I can't remember like how many hours of recording I mean it was like Hours hours Yeah And Couple days after Lacey went missing He told Amber Scott told Amber That he had went to Paris to celebrate Christmas He was literally at Lacey's candlelight vigil When he called Amber and told her this Like we said no doubt 100% in my mind that this guy's a total freaking scumbag, but I still don't know if he did it. We're going to get to all of that, but, but total scumbag. Like you're at your missing wife's vigil calling Yes, blatantly (laughs) lying about it and just being like the fireworks over the Eiffel Tower are beautiful and like all this stuff like literally explaining things in detail like what the heck I mean just the lying is insane pathological Uh, liar 100 like there's some there's some screw loose somewhere So, so yeah fast forward four months and a couple were out walking their dog and found the body of a what the medical examiner called a late-term male fetus in the San Francisco Bay, um, right on the shore. The umbilical cord was still attached, and there was one-and-a-half loops of nylon tape were around the fetus's neck, and a significant cut was on the fetus's body, is exactly what the examiner's report stated. Uh, The next day... They found the body of Lacey Peterson nearby, um, just a little ways up the bay, about a mile from where baby Connor's body had been found. They literally, this body was so decomposed that they almost didn't even recognize it as being human. And most all of the internal organs were missing except for the uterus, which you'd think that makes me wonder, like, okay, so... The cut on the baby's body, on Connor's body. Was that from them cutting him out? I would assume so. Right. But then again, they also said that the decomp of each body was completely different. Like, they made it sound like um, the baby was in much better shape than Lacey was. So that, you know, it was led to believe that he was still alive inside her much longer. I don't, like... It just makes me <laughs> so sad and just, yeah, yeah to even baby. talk about it. But either way, like, the they were in terrible shape and it was just really fishy, like, the evidence or, like, how they turned up. But like you said, um, so April 18th, 2003, they got the DNA test back and they confirmed that it was the bodies of Lacey Peterson and Connor Peterson But like Amber said, Connor's skin wasn't decomposed at all, which is so weird. Yeah, considering that, like, they thought that these, you know, the bodies were in the water for this whole time almost, or I guess since December 24th, you know. So, like, okay, so the, her upper torso, so Lacey's cervix was closed, which means that she obviously did not give birth naturally. Her upper torso was totally empty of organs except for the uterus, which they said that was, like, what protected Connor or whatever. But I just don't, don't get it. And the he actually couldn't even determine if Connor was alive or dead when he was taken from Lacey's body. They knew that Lacey had two cracked ribs, but they didn't know if it happened before she died or after she died. So really... They don't know to this day how she actually died. Um, This finding the bodies just kind of really sent the case into overdrive. And they really cracked down tight on Scott Peterson. So, of course, he's looking bad, right? Like, his wife goes missing. Two weeks before this, he tells his mistress that he's spending his first Christmas alone. His wife, Yeah, she had actually gone public with the affair at a news conference back in January. So, yeah. So then the media was just like as crazy as they were to begin with, then it just blew up again because it was like, everybody already hated Scott Peterson and let's give them even more reason to hate him. I mean, why wouldn't you, you know, he's. Another, (laughs) Another fun fact in the movie, gone girl, Ben Affleck, he actually watched tapes of the Scott Peterson stuff because he was trying to replicate that. Like people hating him. And it, it is, it's interesting if you have, like, have you seen, if you've seen the movie and if you follow this case, like, the similarities, so good job, Ben Affleck. <laughs> and Ben Affleck was fantastic in that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how have. was, seen. he was just weirdo, like, he just, yeah. He, he behaved not in the way that you would think a person should behave if their yes. spouse like, is Like, well, probably literally one of the most unlikable people I front. have ever seen on my life on the TV, um, which Ben Affleck was awesome at that. If you haven't watched the movie Gone Girl, go check it out. That movie was mm-hmm. awesome. The book was really good. The movie was just as good as the book, I it thought. It was. It's the, the only, only time I've ever said that about a book and a movie, but yeah, so good. No. Silence of the Lambs, 100%. <laughs> I haven't read the book, so I can't see but book the movie is, so is excellent. Yeah. <laughs> you know me and my love for Silence of the Lambs. Oh, yeah. Thanks, Grandma. <laughs> if you've been following us since the beginning, you know that I watched <laughs> Silence of the Lambs at eight years old. And That's how this got and started. And people wonder why I am the way I am. This is why. <laughs> so right away, the investigators put a tracker on Scott's car. They lived in San Diego, so or like right around San Diego. So they thought for sure, he's hitting the border to Mexico, he's getting out of here, like, they did a whole bunch of forensic tests on the house. They did DNA testing on some equipment found on Scott's boat. Um, they searched his pickup, his warehouse, where he kept his... Um, that He worked remotely for this company, and they had this warehouse and kind of office all together because he sold fertilizer. So they literally ransacked that. Um, they tried to... Locate, they, they thought that Lacey's body was likely weighed down with these big handmade anchors. So they were trying to find all of this stuff. So, April 18th, 2003, Scott Peterson is arrested for first degree murder of Lacey and Connor. Uh, He was at, um, he was near a golf course in La Jolla, which is right outside of San Diego. Yeah, so we have to talk about how this arrest took place, because this is like one of the craziest parts of this story that I guess Mm -hmm. I didn't know until, you know, I started really digging into it. Yeah. Yeah, so they spotted him, and he was, like you had said, in the San Diego area, and they started... It was like a chase. He saw what he thought was the media following him. Well, air quotes. Yes. This is what he says. And it's the police. And so he's fleeing from the police. Not only is he fleeing from the police, but he has his hair and goatee dyed blonde. A terrible Um, blonde, too, by the way. Oh, I mean, yeah. Like, don't think it looks nice. It doesn't. Uh, we'll, po- we'll post a picture of that. <laughs> um, then good. he finally, so he like took him on this chase and he finally ended up just back at this golf course where he was heading because he didn't know where else to go. Um, when they arrested him, he had $15,000 cash in his possession, bunch of camping gear. His brother. Yes, Viagra. His brother ID. <laughs> oh, yeah. four cell phones. Mm. Like, what are you doing with four cell phones? It's and yeah, and he's got an explanation for almost all of he these does. things. He has an explanation for everything. And it's like, I mean, you can choose to believe it or not. I mean, the whole thing is so bizarre. So they actually had his phone line tapped. Mm-hmm. So, when he was fleeing from the police, which he, you know, thought was the media or whatever, he didn't know his phone line was tapped. But he called his family and he was like, "Hey, the media is after me." I mean, which is believable because the media had been completely like hounding him and whatever. And so he said, "You know, hey, I'm not gonna come to the golf course. Like, I don't need the media following me there and taking pictures of me, um, whatever." And supposedly, that's also why he had dyed his hair blonde was to just make himself less recognizable too yeah, yeah. And then the money was his mom had paid him back supposedly for some money she had borrowed. And, well, and she he was supposedly living out of his car is what he said, hiding from yeah. the media. Yes, and because he had been living um, where, you know, in Modesto, at his home in Modesto, and so he was in San Diego at this point, so I guess he could have been living in his car. I'm not sure what his explanation for the cell phones was, or the Viagra. Maybe that he just had in his car anyway, I don't know. And then he had his brother's ID to get a discount at the golf course. (laughs) Yeah, well, I don't know. I I mean, but also, like... Yeah, it just—it's too—it's too many things. So many yeah. things, or is it? I don't know. I go back and forth. Like either this guy is the smartest man alive, or he's the most unlucky man, unluckiest man alive. <laughs> uh, I don't know. So Scott um, was charged. Like I said, I was actually wrong. They were—he was only charged with second-degree murder in the case of Connor. First-degree murder with premeditation for Lacey. Um, He had his trial moved from Modesto to Redwood City because they couldn't get a jury in Modesto, basically, because everybody hated Scott Peterson, which Redwood City is not that far away. So people—the whole world hated—like, literally the whole U.S. hated Scott Peterson. This guy wasn't getting a non-biased trial no matter where he went, but whatever— So June, 2004, his trial began. And I remember this in the media too. Like it was just wild and all like the courtroom drawings and it was like just totally bananas. So in Scott's, Scott's um, public, well, he didn't, he actually originally had a public attorney and then said that he could afford to hire one. Um, (laughs) His attorney said that he was a cad, which whatever a cad is, for cheating on Lacey, but he wasn't a murderer. What's a cad? I don't know. I was wondering that myself. But (laughs) Amber Fry actually... Oh, a man who behaved dishonorably, especially towards... (laughs) That would be it. I'm I'm going to use that word. (laughs) Um... (laughs) So, Amber Fry was actually a witness for the prosecution, and her attorney, Gloria Alred was totally all over the media, too, like, all about... Because she wasn't bound by the gag order for the trial, so she could... Which is interesting. Up. Yeah. She was all over the news. Like, she, she was talking to anybody that would listen mm-hmm. to her. Um, so, the prosecution basically claimed that... He scott like we said tied anchors to Lacey's body um they never found these anchors so they were kind of that was kind of a hole in their yeah, story they well but they did actually and this was something that i didn't realize they actually found like one anchor and then they found marks on the floor or wherever this anchor was yeah that- indicated that there had been other anchors sitting there and yeah, and they couldn't find them. So that was sort of, you know, and they did theory. like the sonar testing and everything and couldn't find any anchors at the bottom of this place where Scott had been fishing. Well, but wasn't um, this like the San Francisco Bay? I mean, it's huge. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the Sam, they could, <laughs> it could be anywhere. I mean, right. He, so I mean, good luck. But... Hmm. It's actually kind of miraculous that the body is even washed up at all. Yeah. So Scott, basically, his defense attorneys said that there was no real evidence. Everything was circumstantial. They actually had the audacity to suggest that Lacey was kidnapped. Somebody held her until she gave birth. And then they dumped both the bodies in the bay. Why would they hold her for a month and a half for her to have the baby and then just kill I them both? Kill them both. And remember, her cervix was intact, so she did not give birth to that baby naturally. No, it was either still in her or somebody cut him out. Cut it out. Yeah. Um, and prosecution's medical experts said that the baby was, like, baby Connor was not full term and where this, um, size and stuff that he was would have been about where Lacey would have been in pregnancy at the time that she disappeared. Um, They had a juror removed early from the trial. Um, The actual, the jury foreman requested to be removed from the jury during the deliberation. So they were like deciding if he was guilty or not. And the jury foreman, Decided to excuse himself. That that was the time he needed to be done. <laughs> yeah, Supposedly that he had been giving threats and that's why he requested to be removed from the jury. So the, the hard evidence, there wasn't a lot of it. There's which is, not much. No. There was one single piece of hair that was found on a pair of pliers, which is part of the stuff they went through from Scott's boat. But, like, that was his wife. I mean, yeah. I don't know about you, but I'm losing hair everywhere. Like, you can't oh. tell me that my husband doesn't have random hairs of mine. Oh, God, no. Like, that, my husband's got tools for his job, and I guarantee that there's probably a pliers out there that my hair can be found on. Oh, yeah. I literally, I can wear my hair up in a bun. And make supper, and somehow he still manages to find one of my hairs in his food, and complains about it every single time. Of course, what? which, <laughs> which like I don't know how is it happening? All my hair right. is up in a bun. Like, what would you like me to do? So right, so one piece I, of I'm hair. to think that he like plants them in there just to make a scene, but <laughs> that would be something he would do if you know him. But mm-hmm. so that's really the only like concrete. Evidence. All evidence total scumbag he added two porn channels to his tv package a couple days after Lacey went missing he also talked as soon as she went missing so da- not only got these porn channels which you sicko but whatever talked about selling the house traded in her vehicle for a pickup like, you yeah. don't think she's coming back, clearly. No. Yeah, like, or whether you do, did it or not. Scumbag. Yes. He's like, oh, well, God. even if he didn't do it, he was clearly thinking, like, oh, well. Good deal. Let's like, I do stuff. my I do my very, very best to not swear on these, but this guy is a total POS. Like, I said it. <laughs> Whatever, if he was guilty or not. Um, they have... There was a witness for the defense that was a fertility specialist that said that the baby Con- baby Connor died a week after what the prosecution said, but but yeah, there was like a lot, lot of back on that wishy washy, and he basically or he or she whoever it was, I think it was a he, he, was a he, yeah. he basically was like. Well, I don't really know. I'm just doing my best. Like he like basically had a little fit about it and he calculated it with just basically going from like when she told people she was pregnant and like when he thought that maybe she had conceived. Like he did I don't even think he looked at her actual medical records to determine yeah. any of the timeline of this. One of Lacey's friends told him a date that she took a pregnancy test. Yeah. And that's what he went off of. Yeah. Like, let's not look at the medical records, which even so, like, a week here or there in a pregnancy and the size of a baby, like, it's all. Yeah. It can, be, it can vary so much. Yeah. Well, both my kids, they told me that I was, like, probably losing them. Clearly, I didn't. They're here. Like things are just weird, especially like in the beginning of pregnancies. It's a weird, weird stuff. So, yeah, you just okay. picking a date that she took a pregnancy test. I took five pregnancy tests with my daughter before it showed up or before it showed up a, a positive. Well, that's the like, thing. And it totally varies for different people and when you take it. And sometimes people are pregnant it doesn't even show a positive pregnancy test. No. I mean, this is just not scientific evidence. This is not. Fun true. fact for those of you, though, <laughs> there's no such thing as a false positive. <laughs> If she says positive, she positive. (laughs) Just saying. So motive, of course, Amber Fry, they thought that he had made up his mind that he didn't want to be a dad. Um, He didn't want to be with Lacey anymore. He, they were in, I guess, quite a bit of debt. Like they kind of were living a little bit outside of their means And he decided he wanted to be with Amber, and he felt like he couldn't be a good guy and leave Lacey when she was seven and a half months pregnant. So he killed her. That's basically what the prosecution's motive was. I don't know. I don't know if I believe that or not, but whatever. Right, that's what they said, yeah. And their theory was that he... That he had strangled her, which we have absolutely no idea because they couldn't tell from the body. Um, And that it had happened during this, like, short window the morning of Christmas Eve. Yes. So, November 12, 2004, Scott was convicted of two counts of murder. Um, The first-degree murder charge for Lacey and then second-degree murder charge for baby Connor. He was sentenced to death by lethal injection and was ordered to pay $10,000 to Lacey's funeral. Um, there were members of the jury that said that when he, it was announced that he had been found guilty, he had like literally no emotion. Like he was basically just like totally stone faced. And the jury said that they decided on the death penalty because they felt that he had betrayed his responsibility to protect his wife and son. Amen. Well, that is what happens when you murder them, I guess. (laughs) So, another great thing. Lacey's life insurance went to Lacey's mom, not to Scott. Amen. I would hope so. That's good. So, Scott is currently in San Quentin State Prison, awaiting the death penalty. In March of 2019, the California governor um, suspended the death sentence. So, all of these death, sen- death row inmates are just sitting there. Are just hanging out. Taking up our tax dollars. <laughs> yeah. But but this is only in effect when this guy's in office, so... Um, and actually, Scott at this time is still in appeals. So he's been there since 2005. So he's been there a solid 15 years. Yeah. So we're not, we don't need to get into the appeals. It's that's the boring. No. It's an appeal. Just leave but it at that. Basically, <laughs> basically like the most up to date thing I could find was June. Um, Yeah, that they're hearing arguments on it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so they'll know soonish, I think, if he gets a new trial or not. They're saying that, you know, due to all this juror madness and the fact that they didn't move the trial far enough away, um, he deserves a whole new trial. So we're waiting to hear back. I don't know. I don't know what you think, but I don't think they're gonna give him a new one. I don't think so. So this is what kind of where we come to the crossroads yeah is he guilty or is he not guilty let's talk about it next week <laughs> <Woo-hoo-hoo>! <laughs> <An exercise. laughs> until then stay safe and lock mm-hmm. your, freaking, lock your doors. freaking doors bye, bye. bye.